Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie with me, Mick McCarthy. We're here every day, every week in association with Labrooks to look ahead to the best sporting events of the weekend. We've already had one show this week. You can listen back on the podcast feed to our All-Ireland Hurling Final Preview with Dottie Regan. But it's all about rugby today. We're joined, as we always are, by Stephen Ferris. How are you getting on, Stevie? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Mick. I hope you listened to my prediction of Keith Earl scoring the first try last week. <laughs> put, a few, put a few quid on it. He was due one, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah, and geez, he had a great game overall. Um, one of Ireland's best performers, probably over the whole, um, over the whole uh, four weeks, I suppose, of yeah. the of the Autumn Nations Cup. We will actually, uh, we want to get on, obviously, to the Champions Cup. It's come around the corner, hidden as like a ton of bricks tomorrow night when it starts off with Ulster and Toulouse. But I do just want to touch on Ireland before we do that. It was a much better performance at the weekend. It has to be said. I thought there was times in the first half where we were we were thinking, here we go again, but they did actually step it up and and kind of put in the performance we were. We're asking for uh, Keith Earls, as you say, very, very good performance and, and really good performances all over the pitch. But again, Scotland or Scotland, we kind of know we can beat them. Overall, a loss to Wales, a loss to England, a really poor performance against Georgia and two fairly dec- uh, decent performances then against Italy, Wales and Scotland. Six games over the course of the last two months for Andy Farrell. That's the longest. That's the That's the real indoctrination I suppose he'll have had as as Ireland coach as we go into 2021 and the Six Nations are you would you give him a pass grade would you give it a do you see any improvement coming um where where do you think we stand after those six games yeah to, to be honest with you Mick I'm still a little bit probably um not sure and I think you know there was different players used tried and tested throughout the autumn Nations Cup, um, other lads give an opportunity, but I still think the big questions haven't been answered. Like, you know, who is the backup to Johnny Sexton if he picks up a knock and into the next World Cup? Is Jameson Gibson Park good enough to be, you know, behind Connor Murray? And we've seen glimpses of what to expect, but nobody really grabbed their opportunity in key positions. You know, Andrew Porter played a lot of game time at tight head. We know Tag Furlong has been out injured for quite a while, but Who's there to back it up? Kian Healy, you know, he's been around the block for a long time now, but who's going to step into his shoes? I know Dave Kilcoyne might have something to say about that when he gets back fit. Um, but, yeah, th- th- there's just those few questions that, that still need to be answered for me. Um, will they be answered in the upcoming Six Nations? Um, hopefully will. Hopefully, you know, Johnny Sexton doesn't play every single minute of every single game and nobody else gets exposure in that position. Um I was chatting to Eddie O'Sullivan there after the game at the weekend, and he was saying about, you know, if Joey Carberry was, was fit, would it be a completely different outlook for Ireland at the minute? And, you know, in hindsight, who knows? But uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully, Joey can make it back at some stage. But, yeah, I think the, the game against Scotland was a huge positive to finish on a on a, on a high, um, to finish on a second-half performance. You know, they didn't go out and, and blitz Scotland in the first half an hour or first half they, they sort of built their way into the game and as soon as they got their noses in front they never looked like losing the match and um scotland run up their own backsides at times and uh you know a couple of unforced errors a couple of errors by stuart hogg that uh led ireland into the game and that score just before half time and just after half time was the killer for me but yeah is it a pass i think it is a pass like you know it's a pass but it's not a, a an a or an a star that, um, 
But we're we're getting there, and uh, you know, I think that the huge positive is to finish on a on a good result going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, unfortunately, like I said, we are starting into the Champions Cup. We're finished with the Autumn Nations Cup. It's a really busy time for rugby, but I suppose the biggest story in rugby this week has nothing to do with what's happening on the field. And, you know, that's never a good thing, I suppose. And, yeah. like, I mean, we had the, the Pablo Matera stuff, which is terrible, but and some of the reaction to that. But really, the, um, the revelations by f- former England hooker Steve Thompson um, during the week about his... Well, early onset dementia, it's a horrible thing to say, but that, that's what it's called. He's 42 years old, doesn't remember winning the World Cup. And I suppose it brought into stark reality something we kind of already knew. There was not, 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 not massive new information there, but I think everybody was just taken aback by some of the detail. Yourself as someone who played the game for so long, who's retired, who's looking at your, you know, the rest of your life, you know, as a young man, do you ever worry about any of that kind of stuff? Um, you know, like, I, I'm not sure what kind of head injuries you had. I know you had a lot of under injuries over the course of your your, your career. But, um, like, is it ever just something that is in the back of your mind that is like, what if? Yeah, Mick, it is. And the reason for that is, you know, um, even, you know, MND, the motor neurons disease, you look at uh, Dottie Weir um, yeah. and... I've been at so many functions where he's been at and, you know, is there um, a relationship between you know, the, being a professional rugby player, taking a lot of knocks, you know, and MND? I think there, there probably is somewhere down the scientific line. Um, and, you know, obviously Rob Burrow as well uh, in, the, in the rugby league. And, you know, he's a diminutive kind of man in, in, in height. Um, and, of, he probably would have taken a lot of bangs over the years, and, and he finds himself in a, in a really difficult place with MND as well. And like, I would be lying and uh, if I said that I didn't think about it because I, I certainly do. Um, there's been a few times where you go to bed at night and you, you you read you know through your Twitter feed and you see like the likes of Rob Burrow or Dotty and they're doing such amazing things, raising so much money. Yeah. And then you kind of forget about it, Mick. You know, you yeah. you know you get on with everyday life, and then all of a sudden you're picking up newspapers or. Uh, news feeds on social media and, and, and now Steve Thompson, Alex Popham, who I played against um, a couple of times when he played for Wales um, back in my early days for Ireland. And, you know, reading that he's, you know, leaving the grill on or the oven on and you know nearly setting the place on fire and mm-hmm. a mountain bike ride and doing the same loop hundreds of times previously and then all of a sudden losing his way and, and his memory's not clicking in to, to get him back to... It's just, it's really worrying, like, you know, it's really worrying. And I suppose from my point of view, I forget where I leave the keys. Like, you know, straight away, I shouldn't be going, geez, I wonder if there's something wrong with me. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. you know, I think there, uh, first of all, there needs to be a diagnosis for, for, for all those lads. And that has happened uh, for, for a good few of them. Um, and it's it's really, really disheartening to, to hear um, some of the stories that are coming out and, uh, I, I really feel for the guys, um, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And um, you know, the impact that this all could possibly have on the game of rugby, Mick, is uh, is, is another talking point altogether. Uh, but at the minute, you know, I just think hearing some of the stuff from the guys is uh, is it's hugely worrying. 
Yeah. No, of course. And, um, you know, what, what it does to the game of rugby is kind of like one of the questions. We all love rugby. We like, you know, you, you live the game. You're even still making a living from the game. But like, you know, it's not that important compared to what we're talking about. So like how much of a culture change do you think still has to happen? You do like, I think we're nearly there, but I do still see, I don't know, maybe I'm being unfair here, but I still see like New Zealand punditry teams arguing over whether something was a yellow or red card because the sort of what are you supposed to do? mentality of clearing out rooks and stuff like that and it does feel like we still have a long way to go that must be disheartening to you say if you like i mean it's not not you personally it's all former players if you if this is in the back of your mind worrying about it and then you see these pundits kind of wanting to be old school hard men and the game isn't the game anymore whereas like we could easily have a game of rugby that isn't that different without head collisions or without as many head collisions yeah i totally agree like but like i've said it myself and like, I'm going to be honest with you. I've said it myself when there's been matches on and I went, oh, geez, how soft is he? Like, you know, going mm. down like that. Or and We've all done it. You know, this is not beat around the bush. We've all done it. And um, it's only when you go back and reflect and, like, you know, some of those yellow cards that were, um, you know, supposed to be red cards. And even, like, the Kieran Treadwell one, I'll use it as an example. Like, Kieran Treadwell did not mean, it did not mean to... to Hit a shoulder into the head of um, was it a Scarlets player? Yeah, yeah, the Scarlets player, the Scarlets, Scarlets prop. He did not mean to do that, and um, I, I think of course that's got to be taken into consideration. But we got to try and stamp this out of the game. And you know the point that you made earlier. I think we're getting there, um, but we can't have the variant of of, of opinions um, splitting the game of rugby and. As you rightly said, there reference Mick, the Southern Hemisphere seems to be a bit different than, than the Northern Hemisphere, especially you know if you if your pundits on or you're working for Channel Four or BT or where whatever you have hundreds of thousands of people watching that, and you know generally maybe 80 percent of those people like me with when I'm watching football, I'm taking in everything that Gary Neville says, Jimmy Carragher says because they know the game inside out, so they're you know all the rugby fans are taking all. It, everything in from from the pundits and um you know for me some of those uh some of those comments were certainly mis misleading to fans watching the game and gives them the the wrong um the, puts out the wrong look for what we're wanting to achieve going forward um and yeah like as i said there previously i've sat there and went oh geez he's you know the game's gone soft you know, I know that's been thrown out a lot over the last few days since the steve thompson thing you know, I never want to hear anybody say the game's gone soft. I never want to hear anybody say that again. You know, when you see these lads coming out um, uh, with, with with their individual stories. So, yeah, like um, it, it's a really difficult one. And like when you read through all the stuff, mate, and I've just been reading news articles. I don't know about yourself, um, yeah. players, Steve and Alex and others that are going to come out as possibly up to seventy or eighty. Correct me if I'm wrong. But no, that's right. Are, are in potentially. In line to come out with, with with more details on early onset dementia, um, and yeah, it's it's just hard to get your head around. But you know, where where does this take the game going forward? And Mick, you probably don't have an answer for me, and I don't have an answer for you on that. No, absolutely not. And you still need to have the sport, and you still need to have a like you know a certain amount of uh, 
what's the word like a margin for error i suppose on what things is and you don't want everything to be a red card either and i suppose even that even the the game's gone soft people they need to be able to say what they think as well but there does just need to be an education of like that doesn't apply to things that hit in the head you know it's like maybe if it's something that's like you know the you know if it's like late hits or whatever that aren't dangerous maybe we can have that discussion and they're entitled to be i suppose we're all entitled to be stone age characters sometimes as well you know but i suppose it just it almost needs to be a line in the there's another, there's another point here, Mick, and on a, again reading through all the social media is like, is there a personal responsibility um, for players to actually recognise that they've taken too many blows to the head? They're maybe not feeling great about themselves. Um, like I had one full concussion in my whole like playing days of rugby, and that's when I was 18 playing for Nungannon. And uh, that's when I was completely knocked out. Apart from that, I suffered a minor concussion in my penultimate game for Ulster. But beyond that, it was fine. So, like, a guy called Declan Fitzpatrick, who played a couple of games for, for Ireland and a lot of games for Ulster, yeah. you know, he had this uh, post-concussion syndrome where he couldn't think straight, you know, bright light. He was sitting in dark rooms all the time. And, um, you know, it was him who said, right, I'm not right. No, I need to go and get this sorted out. And you just think, was that a thing, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when lads are fighting for their careers, they're fighting to make a wage for their families, they're fighting for everything. And and maybe they were just looking to get out onto the pitch. You know, rugby back then was like, you know, just suck it up and get on with it. And, you know, I'll, what do you, you got a sore head today? Oh, come on, you know, we've got a scrummaging session to do here. Mm-hmm. Put your boots on, let's go. You know, the magic sponge, we all know that. And yeah. thankfully, the game has moved on significantly. But, that personal responsibility seems to be a huge thing as well. What I've read over over the last couple of days on, on, on varying opinions from different people. And, and this is from people that have played rugby for the last 15 years, are currently playing rugby and have been retired. So it's uh, it's whole way throughout um, the, the last 20, 30 years of rugby that these different opinions are coming out. And it's it's hard to agree and disagree with, with, with nearly all of them. For sure, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I think it's a fair point about uh, about um, personal responsibility. And also, I'd like that there'd be some help in terms of the culture for that as well, in terms of people maybe encouraging it or telling people to go. Because even you look at Steve Thompson, it wasn't head injuries, it was a neck injury with him, but he was retired for a couple of years and came back out of it. And, you know, I'm sure those things are linked in some way. And ho- hopefully yeah. there wasn't too much damage done in the time he came back and played um, for the last couple of years of his career. And again, he, as you mentioned, very important to say that he's almost a poster boy at this stage. That's an example of a lot more players than that. So anyway, look, I'm sure it's something we'll talk about again, and it is a very worrying thing. But, you know, it's not all... um, A lot has been done, so it's not all negative news, and hopefully more can be done as well. It's amazing that the... Champions Cup is starting this week. It's like, it just feels like you always have that rest week. There's no time in this calendar at all um, for something like that this year. It's the condensed Champions Cup as well. So you're only talking about four pool games. And suddenly these guys, especially the internationals, you know, are in, you know, even all, it comes from both sides as well. Even like the players who've been kind of knocking around Pro 14. If you look at Ulster's record, they've won eight out of eight. Uh, I think six bonus points, 150 points difference. Leinster, even more ridiculous. Seven wins, seven bonus points. 208, I think, is their points difference in, in, the, in the competition. You know, uh, and uh, Munster have won seven out of seven as well. And you're thinking, like, they, they just haven't had any competition. All their players have been away internationals. And suddenly you're into must-win games this weekend because you're playing French and English opposition. There's four games in these pools. 
and it's going to be a really, really quick Heineken Champions Cup. And I suppose that they're going to have nosebleeds when they're suddenly kind of put into this situation this weekend. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like the lads are coming out of that Irish bubble that they've been in for the last, what, feels like forever, a couple of months. And they're back into the, the clubs or provinces. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see Mick if actually the players will, um, you know, those international players will start the game. The likes of Pete O'Mahony, who's played a good bit for Ireland over the last number of weeks. He might, you know, be on the bench this weekend. Johnny Sexton picked up a bit of a knock yet again uh, for Ireland. He might be on the bench or he might not be involved for Leinster this weekend. So, yeah, it, it's a tricky one. And I'm sure the head coaches of all the provinces and the clubs in England are, um, you know, it's been a been a bit hard for them over the last few days <laughs> to try and organise everything and, and get their head around who's fit, who's kind of niggles, whose head's in the right space, you know, mentally, how's everybody feeling um to make sure that they, they they put out the right team to perform uh this weekend so yeah it's it's crazy it's come around fast um it's different only four games uh, in the post days as you rightly said so yeah ulster have a, a huge game i think they're not going to have it as easy as they've had it in the pro 14 when toulouse rock up on friday night so uh yeah it's 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 going to be <laughs> i think it's going to be a, a marker when when these guys come in like we're talking Mick every week in the Pro 14, Leinster, Munster, and uh, and Ulster. You know, running away with things, and uh, you know, with all the internationals away, it's it's been a walk in the park, especially for those three provinces. So, um, I think things are going to change, and um, hopefully, we see a little bit better rugby as well. I feel sorry for the situation Ulster are in. Like they're playing like such a tough game. The team that only a couple of months ago, uh, I think it was thirty six eight, was it in the in in, in the quarter final, um, beat them, and then suddenly. You're missing your captain. His second row partner is suspended in Treadwell, as you were just talking about a minute ago. And your number 10 is is injured as well um, for what happened on international duty. Uh, it's a home game, so it's must win. Uh, but I kind of still think that Ulster can do this. I feel like there's a, their form is so good. I feel the fact that it's at home, there's not going to be many fans there, but there will be fans there, I think 500 do you share my possibly blind optimism? I do a little bit, yeah, of course. Um, they're, they're on a good run. Um, they went to Edinburgh, got a great win. Um, you know, probably the Scarlets at home was the toughest test that they faced so far. And, you know, they, they got over the line. That was probably the worst performance of, of the year. And they seemed to sneak a win there. And, you know, Ian Madigan started a 10 against Edinburgh. Looks like he'll probably start again um, against Toulouse. So, the way that Dan has integrated all these players over the last, what, 10 weeks, 12 weeks um, in the Pro 14, and even last year's Pro 14 was just finished not so long ago, giving guys opportunity, mixing and matching, using different combinations. Um, I know his hands are tied now with Ian, with Henley out and, and Treadwell out, uh, and with the injury to Billy Burns, but I, I think the way he's chopped and changed, his team will stand him in good stead against Toulouse. And Toulouse could rock up. We've played against them in Belfast on a Friday night before. They could rock up and they they don't even want to be there. Or they could rock up and say, right, boys, this goes UA. We're going to throw it around. We're going to you know, set the world alight in the first game and put a real marker down in this competition that we're going to try and win it this year. Or, you know, they, they could mm-hmm. not be that interested. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Ulster need to get off to a good start. They're always a team that seems to go well when they get their noses in front seemed more of just a confidence thing um, and they're not brilliant at chasing games so if they can get their noses in front and I expect them to kick on and 
Um, you know, I can't remember the last time Ulster lost the Kingspan Stadium. Was it 24 yeah. matches ago or something like that? So, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited to see an Ulster win. Good stuff, good stuff. Hopefully that's tomorrow night. Then on Saturday, we've got um, Leinster away to Montpellier. Leinster, again, their form, absolutely ridiculous. Less surprising, I suppose, to see them having 7 out of 7 in the Pro 14 and to have won every game by so much. But, like, Montpellier, they've played them a lot over the last few years, but, like, yeah. this as an away game isn't easy. They just beat Claremont in Claremont last weekend. And I think maybe sometimes we forget... Uh, who Leinster are playing I guess sometimes when we think like oh yeah Leinster they'll win we need to talk about that game less but they're away in France against a very very good team That's yeah they are against a very good team and even the Claremont side that they beat last weekend was fully loaded you know they they had a lot of experience and a lot of talented guys um I playing there and Montpellier got the victory and not too many people go to start uh Michelin or Marcel Michelin is it um did, mm-hmm. and get a win uh, you know Claremont of a very proud home record but they got over the line and you know that'll set them up nicely this weekend um, it's a tough place to go uh Leinster who they fancy their chances against anybody don't they the, the the form that they're in but again I would go back to uh you know the standard in opposition you know the, the quality in opposition um it just hasn't been there for Leinster over the last five or six weeks with the teams at the face you know depleted uh zebra team depleted Benetton depleted Glasgow and Edinburgh teams that they've been playing and, and absolutely hockey and you know nearly cricket scores been put on um, on the scoreboard. So yeah, I'm expecting a much closer game this weekend and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Johnny's available to, to start it out half um, and you know see him back in Leinster colours. But yeah, I'm going to go for a Leinster win. Who would be backing against them considering the form that they're in? Fair enough. So two, two wins out of two so far. I have a feeling that we're probably not going to go for a third win in the third game, which is at 3.15 on Sunday. Connacht's facing the impossible trip to Paris for Racing. I suppose one thing that Andy Friend has facing him is almost the opposite of some of the other problems is that he's getting a lot of players back who haven't had a lot of rugby. It's like, you know, you're thinking Stockdale, you know, these boys, um, uh, Porter for Leinster, Ryan. You know, if if Ryan's fit, he, he's a doubt. But you know, they've just played non-stop, and they're going to be there's going to be miles in their legs as they go in. To do you put them in, as you said yourself? But for Andy Friend, it's almost the opposite problem because you've had Finley B, other than Aki, yeah. everybody that's been in the Ireland camp probably hasn't played and almost might not even be fully match fit after the last four weeks. And then suddenly you're thinking, God, do we just stick with what we had in the Pro 14 or go? You know, I, I don't know. I presume you'll play the internationals, but it is funny that it's the opposite problem. Yeah, no, it is funny that like, and I, I've been impressed with Connacht. Like, uh, yeah. most of the games that they've, they've played, I've been watching. Um, I've been down in Galway a couple of times, um, watching them play, and you know they're gritty, they're determined. They, they never seem to roll over. Um, you know, Andy Friend is it seems like a head coach that gets the best out of his players when he really needs to. Um, I know there was at the, the home defeat the Scarlets on a, a wet and windy, blustery night in Galway it was. Know a bad defeat to take, but I think they've kicked on a bit from then. Um, and yeah, like the, they're not going to beat Racing 92, but I think they can go out there and, and, and play the game that they've been preaching over the last two seasons. And you know, if they do that, I, I personally feel that they'll score a couple of tries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the quality and um, physicality that this Racing team have, you know, they're they're on a bit of a, a roll with momentum as well. Um, uh, I'd have obviously Finn Russell not available to play, but they seem to have plenty of cover in every position. Mick, if if somebody drops out, 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Irish fans always like to see a little bit of uh, Simon Zebo in action as well. Um, speaking of Zebo, uh, his old club, the last game, I think, again, 5.30 on a Sunday when the first game we talked about is on Friday night, just sums up how kind of a class game, uh, weekend of rugby this is going to be if you want to sit down in front of uh, BT and watch all the games. But uh, Racing versus, or Munster versus Quinns, <laughs> Harlequin's going okay. I suppose they haven't played too many games with the Premiership so far. One, two, lost one. But Munster definitely have shown signs of what you talked about in kind of when we did a season preview. You sort of said they might be the team to be excited about this year. There's a lot of young players. And I suppose the style of rugby that they're playing has been pretty exciting so far. We've all been delighted to be watching it. But again, you're talking about a completely different test here. You're talking about a completely different type of game. And you'd nearly expect Munster to go back to somewhat their old style in a, in a kind of a closer, tighter European game, but I I definitely would be interested to see it and to see whether, like again, must win game at home to you know at home in this four pool, four game uh, competition. Yeah, no, it is, Meg. It's, it is a must win. You have to win your home games, and you know one of the things with Munster is that when you go to Thoman Park, it's the fans like that really really make a difference. It's. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher, I think, for Munster. They're not going to get it their own way, for sure, uh, playing against Harlequins. I think Harlequins have got definitely got a big game in them. Um, it's just they're a little bit inconsistent and have been over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, they'll be wanting to put down a marker. I know everybody talks about the Gallagher Premiership. The, you know, the English teams don't really worry that much about, uh, about the Heineken Cup. But I think that mentality is starting to change and has started to change, especially with... Uh, you know, the French teams, they seem to have turned a corner on that opinion as well. So, you know, Harlequins will be coming over um, to, to get stuck into the Munster lads. Um, a fancy Munster to sneak it, but I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. And as I say, with no supporters there, it's going to make it that a little bit more difficult for Munster to get the, to get a win. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, so you're thinking that they will sneak it? Yeah, I think they will yeah. sneak it. Okay. Yeah, like, Mick... Remember back to Ben Healy knocking over that, you know, last minute penalty against Scarlets, and then, you know, was it the following week they they got a last minute try or somebody missed yeah. a last minute conversion or I can't remember um, when it was. There's been that much rugby on the TV, make my head's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember back. Um, but they're finding yeah, ways to win games, like yeah, their season could be so much different. Like, yeah, you know, and uh, that just says to me that Monster of got a bit back of where they used to be, you know, under O'Connell and Hayes and Wally and O'Gara, you know, where they, they did, they played like, against Scarlet, they were awful, like they were really poor, but they just ground out the, the win and then they've been building, putting the building, that was the, the foundation to, to get uh, further up the wall and they've, they've done that really well over the last number of weeks. So yeah, I'm going to say monster to sneak it, why not? Um, they're at home, they'll be backing themselves. Um, and all the Monster fans, um, you know, will we'll be right behind them from their sofas. So it's either songs of praise for me <laughs> on Sunday evening or it's Monster versus Quinns. And I think I'll be leaning for Monster versus Quinns. <laughs> the rest of us have the All Ireland Hurling final to be worried about before we we, we, we turn on the, the Monster match. But Stevie, thanks a million. If you're going for, uh, you know, Stevie, Stevie looking at it, maybe possibly a little sneaky accumulator on Ulster Leinster. Uh, 
Munster and Racing, unfortunately, if you want to bet, if you want to go for all of the Irish games, um, if you have a bet on Ladbrokes at any stage uh, this week, please do gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. Stevie, thanks a million for that. Enjoy the festival of rugby this weekend or songs, cheers. Or whatever we go. Thanks, thanks very much, Mega. Catch you soon. Cheers, lads. Thanks a million. Uh, we'll be back with you with more build up uh, next week. And uh, we'll be looking ahead to the All Ireland football final. We'll have rugby, we'll have football, we'll have the whole lot. Talk to you then.